The following is a production of Cave Media and presented by Great Commission Ministries. This is the Kingdom Hero Show with Stace Massingill. Hey everyone, on this episode I'll be reading some comments I've received and also answer a few questions you've submitted via the contact form. I encourage all of you to do that. Go to kingdomheroblog.com slash contact. That's kingdomheroblog.com slash contact. Also on today's show, I want to talk about an epidemic that is being widely ignored. It is indeed a national crisis. We'll get into that later on, but your questions and comments are first on the agenda, so let Let the the kingdom kingdom heroics begin. What are you going to do? Cry havoc and let slip the hogs of war. Dogs. Of war. Whatever farm animal of war, Lana, shut up. Stand by. You know the thing. You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. You are fake news. Come on, man. We must never shy away from moral issues just because they are political or controversial. Truth is truth, and it has no agenda, though it certainly does offend those who do have nefarious agendas. You face some unpleasant facts. No. We should never cease to speak out for those who can't speak for themselves, such as the unborn. And we should always, always stand up against injustice. All right, all right, all right. All righty then. I am stoked to finally get into some of the comments and questions we received here at the Kingdom Heroes Show. First, let's start with our mission statement to advance the kingdom of God through the study of the word and making real-world application of godly character and kingdom-mindedness. Our central theme passage of scripture is from Micah 6, 8. Seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. With all this in mind, let's jump into today's episode and get to some of the uh, comments and questions, okay? But ask away, ask away. Who can say, who can say, but ask away. That's how you learn, by asking. Come on, I dare you. But ask away, ask away. Who can say, who can say, but ask away. Yeah, there you go. New segment, new jingle. Uh, Jack in Doraville, Georgia said, uh, My wife got me started listening to your program a few months ago. Cool. Uh, I'm glad you're back now doing more. Okay, yeah, I was... I was kind of sick. I was under the weather for a while, too. Uh, You really got me thinking recently about some things. I especially enjoyed your interview with with your pastor and the recent show about the unseen enemy. Hmm, Cool. God bless you and keep telling it like it is. Well, thank you, Jack. And thank your wife for me as well. Uh, Great to have you both as listeners. And I'm always gratified when I can uh, make people think. We need to do more of that. Uh, Thinking for ourselves rather than... Having the mainstream media tell us what to think. Uh, Paula in Sandy Springs says, Enjoy the show. I used to read your blog, but I'm a bigger fan of the podcast. Nice. Uh, I was saddened to hear of your father's passing last year. Thank you very much for that. Um, Hope your family is adjusting and doing well. Thank you for being a voice in the wilderness that is the internet. Ooh, I like that. A voice in the wilderness that is the internet. That's awesome. I'm going to have to use that in a a future promo for the show or something. Love it. Uh, And thanks so much for the condolences as well, Paula. Emil in Lakeland, Florida says, Greetings to you, Stacy, or is it Stace? Not sure how you say your na- uh, how you say it. I I am from Turkey, but have lived in the U.S. for 24 years. First heard your internet program last week, so I am new. 
can you please explain to me the reason why you feel Christian people should be involved greatly in the process of the government and politics? I happen to agree, but want your perspective on this matter. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you, Emil, uh, for the thoughtful question. Uh, I'll address it in a moment. But regarding my name, it is, in fact, Stacy, S-T-A-C-E-Y. However, I have gone by the shortened version, Stace, S-T-A-C-E, for most of my life. I just dropped the Y off the end. So, yeah, it's just Stace. Uh, As to your question about the need for Christians to be involved in the American governmental process, politics, and so forth, I strongly believe that it's vital to the security and the sovereignty of our nation, and I'm happy to explain why. But for the sake of argument, uh, let me put the Christian aspect aside for a moment, and I hope it will become uh, clear why as I go through this. Uh, We have a unique situation here in the United States not just unique, but also marvelous and inspired. I really believe that. See, our founding fathers knew firsthand what tyranny was like. They understood oppression. They had endured their fair share of it under the rule of King George in England. So um, when they struck out to start a new country of their own, they were quite adamant about establishing a system in which they could govern themselves. These were some very intelligent people. The result was a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. The people had the responsibility of electing or choosing their own, uh, their governing officials who would then represent them and their interests. If these representatives ever stepped out of line or ceased to perform their duties adequately, they could be replaced by by the people in the next election. And those elected officials were motivated to stay true to their constituents, knowing others would uh, you know, be elected in their place otherwise. But somewhere along the way, this system was circumvented by the special interests and the corrupt. I contend that we, as Americans, owe it to our founders as well as to our posterity to right these wrongs and put our nation back on track. I'll bring our duty as Christians into the mix in a bit, but make no mistake, it is our responsibility as Americans to make sure this country is kept on its original footing. Freedom doesn't happen automatically. No, it has to be protected and nurtured. We have to hold our elected officials accountable as the people from whom their power is derived. We have a responsibility to be engaged and make sure that they are truly being representative of us when they aren't serving our our best interest. We better call them on the carpet for that. This idea that, you know, some think that we should just sit back and stay in our lane and let just let them go unchecked, well, that, that is exceedingly dangerous, and it's not how our constitutional republic was designed to function. Now, as to Emil's question about our involvement as Christians, even the founders knew that if the new nation they were building was was going to last, it would need to be guided by some basic moral principles. And they took that moral guidance directly 
from the scriptures. In fact, they cited 27 specific biblical violations uh, when writing the Declaration of Independence. So this is going to be different from how things were in England under King George. We're going to take care of this uh, here and now. Biblical truth is found throughout the founding documents. Obviously, it, it was important to them. 52 of the 55 men who formed the Constitution were active members of their churches. These people were, well, these were people who even believed that the moral precepts of the Bible itself should be taught in schools. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson called the Bible the cornerstone of American liberty, and it was placed in the schools as a guiding standard. Patrick Henry, you remember him, he he was famous for saying, give me liberty or give me death. Well, he was also quoted as proclaiming that our country was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And during that time, James Madison said, uh, we've staked our future on our ability to follow the Ten Commandments. In his farewell address, George Washington said, you can't have national morality apart from religious principle. Decades later, Abraham Lincoln said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I could go on and on, but suffice it to say that these people knew the importance of godly influence within our government. And if we as Americans have a duty to keep our elected officials in line, then don't we as Christians have a similar and even more profound duty to affect a positive impact on the soul of America? I believe we do. And I believe there is even precedent for it in Scripture. Among other examples, uh, let's take Daniel, for instance. He, he was a godly man who gave wise counsel to, of all people, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. Nebo wasn't a great guy, okay? But and though he didn't always stick to it, King Nebo actually, he also gained spiritual insight from the three Hebrew youths who uh, refused to bow down to his idol. Remember that? Well, my point is that if we don't offer the righteous standard for others to see and stand up against tyranny and injustice, then who will? We are called to be salt and light to this world. If we aren't doing these things, speaking out for the unborn, against false accusers, and more, then we have forsaken our call as Christians. If we're not doing God's work and advancing his kingdom, then we're doing the other thing. And I don't want to be one of those people on Judgment Day who God looks upon and says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Okay, a brief time out here because I want to let you know how you can be a part of the show. That's right. You can be a Kingdom Hero Show contributor. If you have comments or opinions about any of the topics discussed here or suggestions for future topics, I want to hear your feedback. Okay, there are a couple of ways to send me your input. You ready for this? If you go to anchor.fm slash kingdom hero slash 
messages. That's anchor.fm slash kingdom heroes slash messages. There you can follow the prompts to leave a voice message. Eh, pretty cool. If you'd rather send a simple text, you can do that using the contact form at kingdomheroblog.com slash contact. That's kingdomheroblog.com slash contact. Now, either way, let me hear from you, okay? And you might, you might just hear your comment on the next episode of the program. I hope to hear from you soon. Uh, next one we got here, Cassandra in McMinnville, Tennessee, uh, says, saw a link to your podcast on Facebook in a friend's post and decided to check it out. To my surprise, you're not the religious Republican blowhard I expected you to be. Okay. Some of your views are pretty mellow compared to others in your circle. Hmm, I'm not sure how to take that. I would be interested to hear what you think about drinking alcohol. Is it a sin or no? Hmm. Okay. First of uh, first off, um, thank you for the question, uh, Cassandra. Folks, I got to tell you, I've I've got all kinds of bells and stuff going off in my head right now. Uh, something about this question, and I may be wrong, but I believe I need to address this subject with complete clarity and a degree of caution. Uh, if I'm mistaken about the nature of this, then I sincerely apologize, but it feels a lot like a trap, like a setup. Um, regardless, uh, let me offer my response. I would initially like to point out, as I have stated a number of times before, that you should know, uh, for no reason ever base your own choices or dogma or whatever on what I say are my views um i am not under any circumstances supposed to be your ultimate standard or source always always measure anything i or anyone else says against what the word of god says okay Uh, though i do want to lift up the standard here i personally am not the standard okay the bible is the standard so seek your truth there now I have been asked uh, this question in the past, and um, several times actually, and I've actually dealt with uh, the topic of drinking at some length, and I would direct you to the the old web series I did a few years back called the GC. Uh, There was an episode in season one titled, Is Drinking a Sin? Um, Season one, episode nine, in fact, you can find it on my YouTube channel. Um, in that video, I, I break down the question and examine several scriptures that support my own opinion on the matter. Uh, I encourage you to watch that video for all the reference material and Bible passages. But the gist of it is this. While the Bible does strongly warn, warn us about uh, the dangers of drunkenness or overindulgence of alcohol, I can find no scripture that commands us to not drink now hold on if if that bothers you just hang around i'm not done no i don't see anything in the bible that explicitly says don't drink to the contrary 
it is, in fact, well-documented in Scripture that Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. He and his disciples are said to have drank wine, and it was also known in biblical times that wine even had medicinal qualities. In one of Paul's letters to Timothy, he advised him to take a little wine for his stomach problems. It's right there in Scripture. You can read it for yourself. Um, some of you may take issue with the things I've just stated, but I want to make it clear that this should not become a source of contention for believers. Study the word, make sure that your beliefs are based in scripture and not tradition, and leave it at that. If this is a stumbling block for you, then you're probably better off staying away from alcohol. Now, having said all this, I'd like to point out one other thing that concerns me about this question of drinking being a sin or not. Um, and please hear me when I say this. Even if you believe it's not sinful, that doesn't necessarily mean that it won't cause problems in your life. I would sincerely ask that you take an honest assessment of yourself before taking a drink. And I will admit to you that much of what I'm about to say to you comes from my own observations as well as my own experiences. Oftentimes, when someone asks a question like this one, they're looking for an excuse to do something. If I'd flatly said, yes, drinking is a sin, then, well, I would have been met with all the Bible quotes and reasons why I'm wrong. And worse yet, by answering drinking itself isn't a sin per se, now there are those who would use this as an excuse to drink, knowing full well that their intent is to get drunk. And as I said before, the Bible clearly, clearly warns us to avoid drunkenness. Bottom line, if you can't drink without the motivation of getting sloshed, you're better off not drinking. There are some great reasons why we're told not to become drunk. It can and often does lead to other very bad things. Overindulgence of alcohol will impair your judgment, lower your inhibitions, make it more likely that you'll do inadvisable things you wouldn't do otherwise it often leads to dangerous situations illegal activity horrible accidents alcohol poisoning liver disease or even death understand that the phrase well jesus drank does not mean he got snooker faced okay it's he didn't it, it's not a license that for you to go out and, and get drunk see jesus did not abuse alcohol and we're often warned in Scripture about the adverse effects of overindulgence of many things, whether it's overdrinking or overeating or whatever. And if you take nothing else away from this, I want you to remember this. In fact, write this down. I mean it. Write it down because this is what I'm about to say. It's absolutely scriptural. You ready? If you're drinking causes your brother to stumble don't do it you might say but but i'm not getting drunk i'm just having one cold beer because it goes great with these hot wings right hey i've been there i know but if your friend who knows you're a christian sitting right there watching you 
or perhaps you've even been witnessing witnessing to this person, and he or she sees you drinking alcohol, it can easily send the wrong message. That one little beer you think is harmless may instead have a very detrimental impact on that dear friend of yours. Got to think about that. Got to be aware of that. Trust me, you do not want to be responsible for that. We have to be wise in our actions. How? How can we be wise? Well, study the word of God and follow not only those things that are clearly commanded, thus shall you do, (laughs) this shall you not do, but also follow those wise warnings of things to avoid. Remember that just because you can do something, it doesn't necessarily follow that you should do that thing. Much like a similar discussion we've had in the past about rights and freedoms. Having the right to do something doesn't always mean you should. It may, uh, even, it may even be you know, lawfully okay. It might be legal to go ahead and do it, but it, it still might be a very bad idea. We need wisdom to know the difference. And that wisdom is found in God's word. But ask away, ask away. Who can say, who can say, but ask away. Yeah, ask away, ask away. Who can say, who can say, but ask away. Well, thanks again to those who sent in comments and questions. I hope to get more of them in, in the future. Uh, I encourage you to message me through the contact form on the website, kingdomheroblog.com slash contact. That's kingdomheroblog.com slash contact. Or leave a voice message at anchor.fm slash kingdomhero slash messages. Again, that one is anchor.fm slash kingdomhero slash messages. Just follow the prompts there. Either way. I would love for you to be part of the show. Now, I have one last thing I want to hit on before wrapping up this episode. There's a long-standing addiction problem in Washington, D.C. Been going on for a very long time. Could it be referred to as a major crisis? Yes, absolutely. It is a huge crisis and with far-reaching effects. It's not a secret either. This addiction has been known about for many years as well. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about an OPM addiction. Now, listen carefully. Don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying the majority of people in D.C. have an opium addiction. No, I'm saying they have an OPM addiction, an addiction to other people's money. They want it. They have to have it. They're dependent upon it. They rant and rave. They don't get enough of it. And they will do everything they can to get as much of it as possible. Plus, their craving for it is constantly increasing, as is our national debt. Now, if you or I were to continually spend money that we don't have, we would eventually max out our credit credit and and owe mountains of debt. I've been there. 
speaking from experience, this is generally recognized as an extremely unwise practice, okay? But our government has been doing it for years, decades even. The total U.S. deficit right now, get this, is currently in the trillions of dollars. Trillions. That's what I said with a T-R, Iliad. Trillions of dollars. Talk about out-of-control spending. And it cannot possibly continue forever. At some point, if not rectified, there will be an enormous economic collapse, the likes of which will make the Great Depression seem like little more than a financial hiccup. Okay? Yep. Yeah, something like that. This is a serious problem, though. It, 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 and it has been largely ignored. And it's not just the government's problem. It's ours. I said it has far-reaching effects. It affects all of us. After all, the government gets its revenue from taxing you and me. Uh, In case you haven't noticed, (laughs) we're already being taxed nearly half of our earnings. There's income tax, sales tax, property tax, tax on interest, tax on capital gains, gasoline tax, even a death tax on whatever you leave behind. The government taxes us for so many things, it's near impossible to track. But all those taxes would never generate enough revenue to pay down our national debt, especially when they keep spending more than they take in. And then the Federal Reserve compounds the problem by printing more money. This is the solution for those who keep running our uh, running up our gargantuan deficit, okay? To just print more cash? That's what causes inflation and devalues the dollars we do have. Simple economics, introducing more cash into an already struggling economy, creates a situation where there are suddenly more dollars chasing after less products. Why? Well, because while the Fed can print up new money like it's free, the government doesn't actually produce anything. There's no... Yeah, they... They wreak havoc. They do produce that. No, there's no increase in goods and services, but now there's more money in circulation because they're printing more, and that that means that it takes more money to purchase those goods and services. Prices increase on everything. Boom! Inflation. That's how that works. And while there have been several pushes in the past for government to balance the budget, We've heard them occasionally talk about it, right? Plans were presented to do so. There hasn't been a willingness in D.C. to really try to stick to it. Every time one side introduces a measure to cut spending, the other side turns it into a political tool and claims the spending cuts are too drastic and will cause irreparable harm to the people. Eventually, all efforts to work toward reducing the deficit end up being abandoned due to political nonsense. How long are we, the people, going to just sit back and let these crooks sell our country's future down the river? There's virtually zero accountability when the corruption runs as deep as it does now. Members of Congress uh, continue to vote themselves raises. And spend taxpayer money on frivolous garbage and failed government programs. Print more cash, which makes what little money they let us keep worth 
less and less while the deficit continues to skyrocket to mind-boggling levels. Here's what Elon Musk recently had to say about President Biden's Build Back Broke plan. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Musk, okay? I, I think he's said some things that were pretty out there, but I admit th- this, that he, he is a very smart man, and his current net worth, by the way, is almost $300 billion, okay? It's like 297 I think. Almost $300 billion with a B billion dollars i mentioned that because it means he's too rich to be canceled by the left and he has said several things that really sets off the leftist media things i do agree with he has spoke out uh, spoken out against the vaccine and then he also made strong statements against biden's huge spending bill during a recent interview listen to this all right but oh, like, there's there's some other good things in this bill that some would argue i mean the, a lot of money earmarked for r d would, would you want to put that towards something no okay <laughs> all right all right we're going to move on from the bill because i think we get what uh, you're saying on it in, in general we, we should just we, we if we don't cut government spending uh, something really bad's going to happen this is crazy our, our spending is so far in excess of revenue it, it's insane like you could zero out all billionaires in the, in the country. If if you zeroed out all the billionaires, you still wouldn't solve the deficit. Yes, this is what I've been driving at here. If we do not cut government spending, something really bad will undoubtedly happen. Now, Elon also in this same interview made one of the most poignant comments about the government I've ever heard. Specifically, he was asked about the government's handling of the vaccine, but he began talking about how the government takeover of pretty much everything from healthcare to whatever, taking these things out of the private sector is dangerous. This one will blow your mind, and I totally agree with what he says. Check it out. It does not make sense to take uh, the, the job of capital allocation away from people who have demonstrated great skill in capital allocation and give it to uh, you know, an entity that has demonstrated very poor skill in, in capital allocation, which is the government. Uh, I mean, you can think of the government essentially uh, as a corporation in the limit. Uh, it, it is, it is a, the government is simply the biggest corporation with a monopoly on violence and, with, and where you have no recourse. Did, did you hear? Did you hear what he just said? That last part especially is just, you know, your brain goes, he's right. And it's worth hearing again. I'm going to just that last part. I'm going to play again. Listen closely to this because this this hits the this hits the mark, guys. It hits the nail right on the head. The government is simply the biggest corporation with a monopoly on violence and with and where you have no recourse. That is spot on. Brutal, honest truth right there. Our government has become the largest corporation with a monopoly on violence for which we have practically no recourse. It has become a monster. Another word we might uh, use would be beast. <laughs> Am I saying our government is the beast mentioned in the Bible? No, I'm, I'm not. But its corruption runs deep. And it is certainly a beast in one sense of the word. If there is ever going to be a spirit of sanity restored to this thing, it will likely take some fervent prayers and spiritual warfare 
waged by the people of God. That's you, and that's me. And folks, the time is now. I'm just saying. As always, thank you for taking a little time out of your day for this program. Please share the show with others through your social media of choice. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash kingdomhero67. That's facebook.com slash kingdomhero67. On Twitter at twitter.com slash kingdomhero67. It's twitter.com slash kingdomhero67. You'll also find links to our YouTube and Rumble channels as well as transcripts for this program at kingdomheroblog.com. That's kingdomheroblog.com. Until next time, I'm Stace Massingill, encouraging you to be a kingdom hero. Take care, and God bless. I don't know what that is, so I'm going to say yes. What am I doing here? (laughs) I keep forgetting I'm president. Oh, that's not right. Support this show at kingdomheroblog.com slash support. That's kingdomheroblog.com slash support. Thank you. This is better than a movie. Why? Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Good night, ladies. Good night.